when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but uh, 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 we, we wish him well. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Ooh, doggy, what <laughs> isn't going on? We got the schedule release. We got a new coach. We got assistants jumping, coming, going. And the fans want to know, Shane, are you on the hypo <laughs> hype train? Oh, man, buddy. I'll tell you what, I wasn't at first. My, my, uh, I ain't going to lie. You know, clearly, uh, listeners know I was constantly tweeting Lane Kiffin, trying to convince him to come back to Knoxville and give us another shot. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't pan out. So then we get the old coach I got to Google. That's not what I wanted, Mike. I didn't want to have to Google a cat's name or try to figure out how to pronounce it. But the more and more I looked into this guy, the the, the more and more I fell in love. A lot of that had to do with your, your, you and your positive words, Mike. Uh, clearly, this is this is, we're going in 2021. We need offense. And, and I'm looking down there at UCF, and I'm looking at the amount of points that they put on there. And I'm like, you know what? At least this guy's not going to have trouble figuring out who a starting quarterback should be, and he's going to be able to do something with these uh, with these fast wide receivers that we have up here. So I'm 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 looking for it, man. Uh, you know, at first it caught me off guard. I wasn't happy, but you know, it's it's stages, and and now I'm I'm behind him, and uh, I'm excited to see what what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just the thing, man. Tennessee desperate for help on the uh, offensive side of the ball. If you got some quarterbacks, if you got a coach that knows what the hell he's doing when it comes to play mm-hmm. calling and and getting the most out of his quarterback, we're going to do a little bit more deeper dive here in just a minute on Josh Heupel. But and we got a terrific interview lined up with Nathan King of Auburn Undercover, part of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network coming up. Hey, we had other news all around the SEC, Shane, because the 2021 schedules – were released here on Wednesday. Now, we already knew the mm. we already knew the teams, so this isn't that big of a reveal. But it's just the order, you know, week by week. 
And I'm not going to go over the whole schedule here because that would, my God, you'd be tuning off this thing quicker than, <laughs> quicker than shit. But how about I read just uh, the week one lineup for now? How's that sound, Shane? Yeah, let's let's do it, man. All right. Now, so, are these are are they are real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few, and I always ask, you know, a few years back they they uh, they flexed the Miami Florida game. Is there uh, before you get into this? Is there any open ended? Are these guys like set in stone? Yeah, that's a good question, Shane. So, I would imagine you you referenced it there the, with the Florida and Miami, how that jumped to week zero. Mm-hmm. That that was such a hit that I would anticipate we're going to see a game or two do that. And we all know the best SE football college football is in the SEC, so it's more than likely going to be right. You know, involving an SEC program. So th- none of that has been determined at this date, but I'm certain that that is a possibility. Okay. All right. So here's well, the... Well, when, when you get done with the list, let's try to figure out which one they're going to do. <laughs> I think I've already got it right here. Okay. All right, man. I'm ready. Give it to me. Okay. Here's the week one schedule. Alabama versus Miami Hurricanes. Golly. In Atlanta. So this is a neutral sider, unfortunately. But still, that's a hell of a matchup right there. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Now, how about this one, Shane? This is going to be the game of the week. Georgia versus Clemson Mm. in Charlotte. Again, another neutral sider, but still, I'll take that damn game wherever I can get it. You know what? Ooh, buddy. I love it, man. Okay. All right. What else we got? All right. And here's the one that I think could possibly get flexed. LSU at UCLA home and home, baby. <laughs> I love it. Now, is this one is it uh, in LSU first, or is it uh, at USC? It's at or UCLA. It's at UCLA. It's in the Rose Bowl. So that's kind of why I'm thinking. You know, that's obviously a long trip for uh, LSU. It's an iconic stadium. We all missed out on the Rose Bowl last year due to you know, all the, the regulations in California. So I can't think of anything better than opening the college football season week zero with some LSU Tigers against UCLA Bruins. That's That would be my pick for a flex. <laughs> How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that too, man. Is Chip still over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chip, <laughs> Chip, Chip's still over there, and he's still uh, smarting from that beating that uh, he got from Auburn in the national championship. I don't think he's ever beaten yeah. the SEC team. Yeah, that, that's what I want to see. So that's a, that's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I could see the – you know, obviously uh, people are going to be excited about that Georgia-Clemson game, Alabama-Miami. But, you know, so that that's one that – it involves both coasts. I just I think that's going to be a fantastic move and an option to flex there, not game. Uh, I'd look forward to it. Now here's a sneaky, potentially good game here: Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. Mm. And Louisiana Tech, you know, they're coached by old Skip Holtz. They they got a good program. Is that lose, boy? It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit. <That's> <laughs> Just kidding. I, I like Lou, man. Uh, no, I, I, that will be a good game. Sneaky good game there. Now, here's one for Florida fans. FAU, Kiffin's old program, at Florida. Mm. So, I mean, that'll that'll be a nice appetizer for the Gators. And 
it's coached by the old uh, Florida State coach Willie Taggart. So Gators get mm. get them another W against Willie Taggart at opening weekend. That's right. That's right. I like it, man. How about this one, Shade Rice at Arkansas? Mm. Now this is what you wanted this year for for the Razorbacks. Yeah. Get a cupcake in there, but hell, that's a good way to start it. And I think that's an old Southwest rival. So you know, there's there's some history on that one. History, yes. This game will be history, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> all right how about uh akron at auburn again mm. nice little cupcake there for brian harson to start his uh tenure there oh yeah i like that all right louisiana monroe at kentucky mm. okay all right first look I at just, that offense i've never, I've never liked i never liked you l monroe i don't it's just something about their uniforms or something i just they've never been a sexy team mike so I, that's just a side point but uh, <laughs> that's going to be another another ass beating there. Central Michigan at Missouri. The Chippewas coming down <laughs> to lose to Drinkowitz and Company. That's right. Eli, go open up a can. Bowling Green at Tennessee. They played a couple years ago, and it was kind of entertaining. But uh, there yeah. you go. First, first game of the Hypel era. Yeah, that was Alvin Kamara's coming out party. And mm-hmm. uh, then, we, then we put them on the shelf for a few more, <laughs> a few games. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Eastern Illinois at South Carolina. Perfect game mm. to start the Shane Beamer era to get us a win against uh, Eastern Illinois. Golly, Mike. I love it. I love it. What else you got? ETSU <laughs> <laughs> at Vanderbilt. Ooh, a Tennessee Ooh. battle right there, brother. Is uh, former? Is he going to be AD over there again? Or <laughs> how's that going to work out? <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> All right, last game on a Saturday here. Kent State at Texas A&M. Mm. The Aggies love them. Some cream puff non-conference game. But, hell, I can't blame them. You're breaking in a new quarterback. You know what? Absolutely. That game will be locked up by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> now, here's the last one, and I saved this one for last because I believe, as I understand it, this is scheduled to be Monday night football because there will be no NFL, you know, the, the first week. Yeah. It's, it's always later. Ole Miss versus Louisville, mm. and this is in Atlanta. So there we go. That that'll be a good one right there. Absolutely, man. Man, Atlanta's gonna have them a hell of a weekend, ain't they? So they're gonna do both these games. Yeah, because one's on Saturday, and then the one will be two oh, days later you. on a Monday. Man, I tell you what, get down there, have you a nice weekend, watch a couple SEC games. That'd be something, Mike. Yes, uh, sir. I, I I think I love this, and, and it's crazy. Because it's almost like, you know, because all we did was SEC last year, you know, and there's right. absolutely no SEC matchups this week one. Uh, it took a little while to to wrap my head around that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm embracing those cupcake games because uh, I think that's what hindered a lot of teams last year, just having to come out of the gate, you know, with, with strict competition. Now we got all these new coaches, like you said, new quarterbacks, new offenses, new defenses. Uh, we've got some programs to tune up with. Now, there's a couple of uh, games. It's right in the fire, you know. Alabama, uh, they, they they can't mess around. LSU can't mess around. Uh, Georgia, sure the hell can't mess around. So, uh, uh, but the other guys, man, it's it's this is what they needed. Right, and here's more good news for you, Shane. This season, we're only going to have six neutral site games, so they're dwindling. Good. And I think that the next year we got even fewer. So. 
I think I think they're getting my emails, Mike. They're definitely <laughs> getting. <laughs> All right, here's some of, some of my other observations from the schedule. How about this, Shane? Tennessee does not face a single opponent with two weeks to prepare. I think they're the only ones in the SEC. So basically, no one is on a bye, at least among SEC teams, before they face uh, Tennessee. So that. Every team's only going to have a week to prepare for the balls. That's great, man. That's great. Hey, let me ask you. Um, speaking of week zero, when does that begin? What What is the dates on that? Have so the dates are out. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we don't have the adjustments like we did last season. But what What do we have right now? Uh, so yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned that week one schedule that is set to be September fourth. September fourth. So first first week in the September. Hey Siri, how many days to September fourth? Oh Siri's not working. She can't multitask, Mike. <laughs> so we're getting there. I'll t- I'll type it in here. Yeah, please, please Google that because I-, I need a- I need a countdown, Mike. It's going to be a big number, isn't it? Two hundred and twenty. Golly, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, Do they have spring practice dates out yet? No, not not officially, but uh, okay. those are coming, brother. Those are coming. Yeah, so, so those are good. You know, that just kind of breaks things up. Then you got the, then you got the boys down there. I don't know if they're going to be Hoover. You know, hopefully they'll get together, and uh, hopefully we get to go to this one, Mike. Uh, the the SEC Media Days that'd be cool. And then uh, yeah, I'm just in my mind. I'm just getting my calendar ready. And 220. That's a long time, man. You know. Well, speaking of so. SEC Media Days, I, I'm glad you referenced that because I didn't want to forget. It was scheduled to be. In Nashville this year for the first time ever. Uh, right, right. They've announced they're not doing it. They're going to damn Hoover again. Oh golly, <laughs> man. Well, Nashville it, was a hotbed, so that's kind of the I think their reason because they want it to be a huge celebration with tons of fans. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping we're over all this garbage by then, but maybe not. So I guess they're just protecting themselves and mm-hmm. we're going we're going back to the strip mall in Hoover. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, hey, I don't care where it's at, Mike. You know, as long as we have it. Because mm-hmm. last year sucked. We were planning on going out there to Nashville, really looking forward to it. And uh, if we got to go across enemy lines, Mike, we'll do it. You know, I, I know there's going to be a ton of bammers down there, but that's okay. That's okay. We can we can get through them. Now, speaking of uh, the bye weeks, I want to flip to the other side of this, though. So Tennessee's got facing no one with the with two weeks to prepare. Alabama leads the SEC, Shane, believe it or not. They've got to face three teams that'll have two weeks to prepare, and those teams are LSU, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. So, mm. hey, maybe maybe there is no Bama bias on this in 2021, at least, because Alabama's not getting any favors on the schedule. No, and I like it. Hey, talk about schedule release. Do you see Mississippi State's? Oh, that man, that was fantastic, that, wasn't it? I, if, yeah, absolutely. If you guys are, I, I love, you know, the NFL has always been known to do a pretty good job with these schedule releases, but uh, Mississippi State media team, my hat's off to you guys because that was fantastic. If you get a chance, jump on their Twitter page uh, and, and and just watch the video. It is a fantastic schedule release. I haven't seen any others that, that are even close. No, not at all. Now, here's something else I was thinking I, I thought would be kind of interesting, Shane. The toughest two-game stretch that I've found on the entire 
SEC calendar. Okay. South Carolina. They're they're coming, but not the toughest two game because unfortunately, Woo Pig going down to Arkansas. How about this? November thirteenth at LSU. Then you rebound November twentieth at Alabama. Tune up games, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that sucks. But again, it's not ten SEC teams. I think they'll be fine. Now I'm trying to identify the toughest three game stretch. Uh-huh. A little bit tougher. So I'm gonna bounce a couple at, at you. You let me know which ones you think are the toughest. Sorry, going right back to Arkansas here. Texas A&M, mm-hmm. at Georgia, at Ole Miss. I mean, that's a hell of a gauntlet there. Wait, that's three? So that's back-to-back, no buys? No buys in there. Yeah, that's a tough one. Now listen to this one for, for Auburn. should be pretty tough. At LSU, Georgia at home, at Arkansas. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Now here's this one for Kentucky. Florida, LSU, at Georgia, mm. and then last year, LSU's got Florida at Ole Miss at Alabama. Oh, buddy, I'm going to go uh, – I think I'm going to go Kentucky there, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's a – read that one one more time for me. I'm trying, what was the home and away on that? Florida and LSU, at both at home, yeah. and then they head on down to Georgia. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Because you can't overlook any of those opponents, right? Uh, it, it, it helps that they're at home, but to follow all that 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 gauntlet there to to go into Athens that that's uh that's going to be a tough one, man. Now here's the the toughest five game stretch. I only got one <laughs> last five games here for South Carolina. They're not doing Shane Beamer any favors at Texas A and M. Thankfully, they get a bye after that. But then here's the final four games. Florida, at Missouri, Auburn, Clemson. <laughs> I mean, South Carolina, man. They need Clemson to suck, you know? It's, it's yeah. tough closing it out. South Carolina always has a tough schedule. Auburn always has a tough schedule. Uh, but, man, yeah, that's going to be a tough one for uh, Beamer and the boys up there. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, hey buddy. Uh, so that's all I got on the schedule. Anything? Um, any schedule questions before we hop around the league real quick? Uh, no. Um, game of the week. Now is is CBS still this, or have we moved on? Are they still doing the game? I think they get it for two more seasons. Oh, okay, so just just preparing everybody. Two hundred twenty days to prepare for Gary coming back. <laughs> so I, I was just wondering if you know all that money got. Got some things expedited, but clearly it did not. So, okay, when we get closer, I'm sure we'll have some uh, game of the week. Okay, so game of the week. Um, where are you going? Where's Where's uh, Corso and the boys going to be at? Week one? Yeah. I think you got to go Clemson, Georgia. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They may hang out in Atlanta, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got two games down there. That's true. No but jo- I think Georgia Clemson, you're looking at t- potentially a playoff preview there. You know what? Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm already looking forward. I know it's 220 days away, but I'm still looking forward to it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's go around the league. Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the, go league. around the, league. the league. 
my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, we got to start here on Rocky Top. I know it's been a damn a Tennessee marathon here lately, but so much news coming out of uh, Knoxville. And Josh Heupel made the hire early Wednesday, really on Tuesday evening. But a lot of fans didn't want to believe it when it happened. But, and I, you know, I understand it because this guy was not on anybody's uh, hot board. And, you know, here's what fans naturally do. And I understand it. And I'm not even criticizing it. But they go, all right, what's this guy's record? Okay, he got worse every year. To hell with this it. guy. <laughs> <laughs> But you gotta just you gotta look at it in, in many different ways here, man, where I mean, how many times have we watched Tennessee football here, Shane, the last couple of years, and we just say, My God, it's a struggle for this team to get a first down. Yeah. I mean, we they needed a complete one eighty from that. They finally, finally have a promising quarterback room. I know the entire Pruitt era, it was nothing about Nothing but Garantano, and, and why can't anybody unseat seat this guy? Now they've got two dual-threat quarterbacks on the roster. They've got another one coming up in the state of Tennessee that everybody is dying to land in Ty Simpson. You just weren't going to get him if you're playing this damn prehistoric offense that does nothing. And instead of that, we flipped to Josh Heupel, who, check this out, Shane, the last his three years at uh, UCFU's top ten, top eight, Scoring every single mm-hmm. year. He runs over three plays a minute. That's higher than anybody in college football. So they're going to go at a lightning speed. Mm-hmm. And how about this stat from Peter Burns? 130 years of Tennessee football. They've had three quarterbacks throw for 3,500 yards in a season. Josh Heupel's had two do that in his three years at UCF. Mm. And then if you want to say, well, hell, this is SEC. This is big time. He can't do that here. He did it at Missouri. Uh, Drew Locke broke the uh, SEC record for touchdown passes. That was eventually broken by Joe Burrow. But he set the record at Dan Missouri with – he didn't have a single SEC receiver on his roster – or, excuse me, single NFL receiver on his roster. And here we here he is just uh, led the SEC in scoring. I know this is not, uh, like I said, not a guy that people thought – you know, should have been on the list or wouldn't be on the list or what have you. But you do a deep dive on this guy. He's got one of the best offenses in the entire country. And that's what you've been crying for at Tennessee the the last couple of years. And I'm not saying this is a home run or anything like that, but I think he checks a lot of the boxes considering that there's a damn sanctions that are likely coming as well. You know what? (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I, I look back, because I, I, like I said, I, I didn't know much about the guy. Um, and, and I love how these names just kept getting floated out there for Tennessee fans. It was almost like it was planned. 
you know, because our expectations are a lot higher than, uh, I mean, that's just, it's an evolved fan, Mike. We, we mm-hmm. still feel like it's 98. Okay. I get it. So, you know, Heifel is not a name that they could have just rolled out. Uh, there was some big names coming out. Then it got down there and it was like, you know, the Sony docs and, the the, who was the other one that they were floating out there? I mean, Tony it was just Elliot. Yeah, Elliot and stuff. So, you know, so then we're way down here and then they come back up and they give us one out of UCF and you're like, yeah, okay. Well, it was just, it felt like this was orchestrated a little bit, which I'm okay with because the more I look into it, what he was able to do at UCF, what he was able to do at Mizzou, it it shows you that he does have potentially does have uh, the ability to develop a quarterback and get the most out of them, which I'm excited for because we do have some young talent. Uh, and, and it's and it felt like they weren't getting nurtured at the University of Tennessee. Now we've got a coach that comes in, uh, seeing all these guys, all these Tennessee players, mainly the receivers coming out excited. Um, you know, that, that excites me when players are excited because, yeah, we, we <laughs> you know, we may get the shootout, we may still lose a game, but if we put 40 points on the board, you know, we, we create a culture there. And, you know, let's don't forget what these young men's aspirations are, and that's to get to the next level. And you do that by showcasing talent. So if you're able to put 30, 40, 50 points on a team, uh, yeah, it may get a shootout. And it's, it's not the veer. It's not the, it's not the wing tees that you're used to, but this, you know, the thing I like about it is these young kids are watching, they're they're observing, and they want to play at a university. They get to showcase their talent. So I, I'm excited, man. The more I look into it, the the happier I get about the hire. Uh, was he my first one? No, I, I thought the, the my favorite one. As everybody knows, I've been tweeting Lane Kiffin every day. And they said, "Hey, uh, he's two and zero against Lane Kiffin." I said, "You know what? You're right, man. You know, if you if you can't hire the man." You hire the man that beats the man. So I'm, I'm ready, Mike. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing with that. I mean, he's basically running the same offense that they're running at Ole Miss. So mm-hmm. that's what, uh, you know, is the, the most attractive thing I would think about Ole Miss right now is that offense they're running. You're getting it in a Josh Heupel, and they've uh, secured him up. They had to pay this guy a ton of money, Shane. I don't know if you've seen this contract. They had to give him a six-year contract. He's going to make $4 million annually. Same deal as uh, Eli Drinkowitz. Okay, so I was just trying – I was going to see where it is. Plus, there was a buyout. You know, they had to spend a lot of money getting this guy out of UCF. Correct. And if there is uh, massive sanctions, his (laughs) contract gets extended immediately. That's also (laughs) in the contract. So, I mean, they're committed to this guy, and I think that uh, should tell you – you know, I'm sure there's plenty of fans not on board with this, but it is what it is. And, uh, hey, this is the new direction of Tennessee football, and, and I think it's going to be a lot more exciting. And if nothing else, hell, you're already losing, <laughs> but it was just hard to watch. Yeah. Now it's going to be Absolutely. some fun football. It's it, it's going to be fun again on, on Rocky Top. I really do think that. Hell yeah, Mike. You know, we're going to be – there's there are mad people, but them mad people are going to be watching on Saturday, you know, because we're mm-hmm. ball fans just like this is any other school. So I, I think the main thing that, to take away from here is obviously you want to you wanna save as many players on that team as you can, get a lot of those kids out of the portal. Uh, and I'd like – and I'm curious to see who he puts around them, you know, because a good support staff makes the team that much better. So 
Have you heard any rumors about about who he's going to plan on keeping or anything? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump to just a quick clip of Heupel talking about his uh, you know his plan for his staff, and then we'll get to that on the other side. How soon do you feel like you need to put together a staff, and will you consider staff members from Central Florida? Uh, we'll we'll consider consider staff members from uh, Central Florida. I uh, will we'll do that. Uh, also, uh, current members on this staff, we'll have a conversation. Uh, with them here, uh, the members here at Tennessee. Uh, it's important that we put together a staff at the right time, that we get the right people, more than it is simply about the urgency of putting that staff together. But yes, we want to do it in a, in a timely fashion. When you sort of look at this roster right now, what is your message to guys that are, you know, considering going in the portal and, and guys that are already in there? And, and of course, could you, could you envision a scenario bringing players from UCF here? I will not recruit players uh, off of a, a roster that I was uh, a part of. Uh, don't believe that's uh, the right thing to do. To the current members of this football program and this roster, <clears throat> we need to be a family. We need to act like a family. And everybody's got a different perspective based on their background of what a family is at times. When you sit in front of your, your team and there's 105 guys you know, in front of you, Everybody's got a little bit different perspective, but at the end of the day, a family to me is defined when push comes to shove, that family stays together. Let's stay a family. Let's, let's trust the people that are in place to help you become what you're capable of. You chose this university for the right reasons. And I'm saying have a chance to be an elite football program. The tradition says that it should be. It's our job to get it back to that level. You're going to get an elite education and be in one of the best communities uh, in college football. You walk out inside of that, that, that stadium. <clears throat> I've played here, a coach here, I should say. That's, a, that's an electric stadium. There's not a better atmosphere in college football. Cannot wait to walk out to that post-COVID next fall and, uh, and hear Rocky Top being, being played as we're running out. You know, uh, that, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. All those things are still here. Trust me, our leadership, who I'm going to bring in, give us a chance right, for our family to become connected. Let's go have fun together. Work hard, but let's have fun together and compete. All right, Shane, so it's already happening quick on Rocky Top. If you haven't seen the news, Jay Graham, running backs coach, he is leaving for Alabama. He's going to mm-hmm. be the new special teams coordinator. That's a hell of a pickup for Alabama. Jay Graham's a, a good coach and a good recruiter. Uh, L.A. Chargers have announced they've picked up Derek Ansley, the defensive coordinator. So things are moving quick here on Rocky Top. And I'm not even convinced that uh, Kevin Steele is going to be asked to stay on. I, I can guarantee you they're not going to make Heupel keep him. But I think that's the guy – I mean, that, it's kind of obvious to say. I think that'd be the hire I would make, man, because he's, he's there already. He's, he's affordable. And you never make a decision based on who's affordable. But, hell, he's got so much experience. You know, he's committed to, to trying to write Tennessee right now. And, and mm-hmm. he's just been, at the, he's been in the league for so long, doing a, a, an incredible job for the Auburn Tigers. It would seem kind of foolish to, uh, to kind of mess with that unless he and – you know, Kevin Steele and Josh Heupel, for whatever reason, you know, if they if they have a bad relationship, and I have no idea if they do or don't, but that's the only way I could see it. It would make sense to not have Kevin Steele probably be your defense coordinator next year. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And uh, the fact that he kind of stuck around during this whole thing, it, it, it's even, I don't know, kind of gives you that feel that maybe he will give us a shot and, and stick around. So um, I, I think you're crazy if you don't ask him. Uh, how many times have we talked in the past that we thought Coach Steele was one, if not the close to the top of the of the SEC defensive, or just in the country, uh, defensive coordinator. So the fact he's there in Knoxville, absolutely. Try to hang on to him. Hell of a recruiter. Uh, you know, look at all the defensive linemen he's put in the league, man. Well, hey, buddy, we got uh, some other news around the SEC, so let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge. The Tigers. Where the Tigers, we kind of referenced this on the last show, but they've made it official. Durante Jones has been named the defensive coordinator, and I'm seeing a lot of head scratching, kind of the same deal we had on the last show. <laughs> Who is this guy? He's from the Minnesota Vikings. He's got NFL experience. Mm-hmm. But the key to this hire was he comes – with the seal of approval from Dave Aranda, who is mm. obviously now the Baylor head coach, former LSU defensive coordinator. But, man, he had some of the best defenses in the nation when he was working for Coach O down at LSU. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is just Coach O clearly trusting a guy that he believes in and Dave Aranda to pick him the next rising star in the coaching ranks. And just because you don't know the guy's name doesn't mean he's a – Bad coach. I mean, hell, we didn't know Joe Brady before he got hired. Right. Uh, but, you know, the, I think it's smart to go back to this. But at the same time, I'm not trying to, you know, crap on the hire as soon as I said this. But, you know, the Saints guy I could understand because there was, a con, you know, a conflict in his contract and, and all the drama there. Right. But going from the Cincinnati defensive coordinator, who was clearly the most coveted defensive coach out there, to this Duranta Jones – Kind of leads me to believe that, uh, at least in the coaching world, there's probably a strong sense that, you know, Coach O may be on sitting on a little bit of a hotter seat than even, you know, we think. That that's just me reading into it. But uh, what do you think about that? I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. I I, I still think his. I mean, it was a rough season last year. I get mm-hmm. that, but I think. For a lot of programs like LSU 2020, I don't think he was judged as harsh as he will be this coming up season. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's one of those. He's got a big game right out of the gate. We just talked about it. You know, this isn't an LSU program that we can have limping into the season. So uh, it, it kind of surprises me that we went this route. Yeah, I figured he would have went with somebody with a little more experience. Um, and uh, But – you know, who am I to judge? I, I, what they what they had on the field last year, you know, was clearly unacceptable. So uh, I, I'm with you. Just as one of those that we're just going to have to sit back and, and see what happens. But the good thing is LSU gets a test really early week one. So we'll, we'll know right out of the gates. Yeah, and here's one other important note to make this guy, uh, Deronta Jones, their new coordinator. He's got a ton of ties to the state of Louisiana. He's coached Louisiana High School. He's coached colleges down there. Uh, this guy, is he's very plugged into that area. So I think this is going to be really good for them in recruiting as well. And I've always said, Ben, I think the players matter more than the coaches. I'm not, I'm not trying to dis- be disrespectful to the coaches, but if you got a mm-hmm. roster full of four- and five-star talent like LSU does, as long as you don't Bo Pelini it and screw it up, right? I mean, he's going to have some elite defenses here at LSU. And, uh, you know, that – 
that would be if you're asking me, could you would you rather have, you know, Nick Saban and a, and a bunch of two or three stars, or would you rather have someone like this and, and have a bunch of four or five? I'm going to take the roster that's loaded with talent, and that I mean mm-hmm. I I have no issue that uh, that LSU is not going to be a really good defense under Jones. Yeah, well, I'm looking for hey, it's what kind of do you know what kind they're going to be running. You know, that was, a, I think, a part of the problem was switching all that up this year. Are they going to go back, or uh, what, are they, what, what kind of defense should we expect from him? Do you know? I think it's going to be interesting how they do this because, you know, Coach O's been very vocal. He's, he wants a four-man line, mm-hmm. and I think that was the biggest issue he had with Dave Aranda was just going with the three defensive lines. Now, Jones, while he's worked with Dave Aranda – they worked at uh, Wisconsin. They had the number one passing defense in the nation when they were up there mm-hmm. together. I think he's going to leave Jones basically to to work primarily with the secondary and, and kind of scheme all that up, whereas I Coach O and some of his assistants, they probably want a four-man defensive front. So I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a mix of the two systems, which, no, that might prove to be exactly what you want. You know what? Yeah, no, that may be a good thing, man. I, I and I think that's what he wanted. It felt like Coach O wanted to be more involved. So um, I, maybe maybe this was maybe this was more thought out than we think. You know, <laughs> right? Well, and speaking of uh, returns here, LSU also announced Austin Thomas, the guy that uh, helped assemble their national championship roster. He's bounced around a little bit. He's he was working with A and M and. I think Baylor and maybe even Old Miss during the last couple of years, but he's back at LSU. So you can come back home. It's great to see LSU welcome back Austin Thomas, who, I mean, he basically works the entire roster and recruiting board for the Tigers. And mm-hmm. I think that's huge news. He's He's been at LSU for a couple of weeks, but they just now officially announced he's back. So, you know, taking some of that off of Coach, o, Coach O's plate, maybe that helps LSU too. Yeah, but I think that's a big get. And then last thing I wanted to say on uh, on the Tigers, I think you'll love this, Shane. They 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 just signed a five star lineman, Mason Smith, mm-hmm. six six foot five, three hundred sixteen pounds, and they've assigned him a jersey number. What is the ideal jersey number? Do you think for old Mason Jones, six foot five, three hundred sixteen pound defensive lineman? Zero. Zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How great is that? You know what? Oh, I love it, man. And that's what LSU. I mean, you think of that those big defensive linemen that come through there, you know, and they they've not been. I mean, they haven't been developing the talent like they have in the past. So, uh, I like it, man. Get back to your roots a little bit. The podcast is also sponsored by Justin Hamilton over at the FederalSavingsBank.com. Head on over there. Talk to Justin. Make sure you let him know the guys over at That SEC Podcast sent you. There's no better time than now to refinance or buy a home with interest rates lower than ever. Hit up our guy Justin over at the Federal Savings Bank. And this is a guy that uh, actually saved Cousin Joe over $400 a month on his mortgage. If you got any questions at all about Justin Hamilton and what he can do for you at the Federal Savings Bank, he's licensed in all 50 states to help you out. Reach out to us. More than happy to answer any question you got. We've also put a link to Justin's website at thefederalsavingsbank.com in the show notes. So head on down there. Reach out to Justin if you're looking to buy a home or refinance your home. 
And again, make sure to tell them the guys from that SEC podcast sent you. He'll hook you up. All right, let's kick it on down to Gainesville real quick where... Hey, big news here for uh, Dan Mullen's staff because offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson has left for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be the Eagles quarterback coach. They're bringing him up I'm, there. He's to... stealing everybody, ain't he? There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian Johnson is going to be tasked with uh, fixing Carson Wentz and, you know, whatever the hell's wrong with him or maybe, you know, getting ready for the Jalen Hurts era. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know, it's going to be one or the other. And, uh, you know, this is a great hire for the Eagles because Brian Johnson, we all know what he just did for Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks. I mean, revitalized Felipe's career. And mm-hmm. he goes back to Dan Mullen's time at Mississippi State. He worked with Dak Prescott, too. So, you know, potentially a big, big loss here for the Florida Gators. But, of course, we all know, you know, the mastermind of the, the quarterback and the offensive system down there is Dan Mullen. So, I'm not hitting the panic button, but this is a big loss late in the calendar that I didn't see coming. So uh, I don't know what – and don't forget Brian Johnson was a uh, – I believe he was a semifinalist for assistant coach of the Broyles Award, the assistant coach of the nation. So I don't know, thoughts on uh, Florida losing their offensive coordinator a week before signing day here? Well, I, I mean, you don't like that, clearly, but, you know – the Brian Johnson, if you ask where he learned most of his stuff, it was from Coach Mullen. Right. So I, I think as long as you still have the instructor, you're all right, Mike. Uh, so I'm just happy Brian gets an opportunity to, to you know, kind of spread his wings and do his own thing. So he's now out of Dan's shadow, and, and now we get to see just how good he is up there in Philadelphia because he's got his hands full. But, um, no, I, I, I don't think it's – like, this would be a bigger loss for a lot of other programs. Right. I don't think it's going to be a huge loss for Florida, just the fact Dan's still there. And there was some speculation. I don't know how far he got along with it, but there was speculation that uh, people were pushing him to be the South Carolina head coach right after Muschamp was mm. fired. So, like I said, uh, I don't know how far they went down that road. I don't even know if they interviewed him. But don't be surprised if we see Brian Johnson's name emerge, you know, in college football the next couple of years as a – as a head coach, because we're all looking for that next offensive coordinator, quarterback guru, could be Brian Johnson. And the, the last mm-hmm. thing that uh, I'll say on this, this this news, I'll be very interested to see how this affects Emory Jones or whoever the next Florida starting quarterback is, because that is could be where it hurts the most, just going into a new era with a new quarterback. But like you said, we all know Dan Mullen's track what? record. So, again, I'm not hitting the panic button, but that's going to be something that I'm going to be really watching as the Gators need a, a new starting quarterback. Let me ask you, uh, and I know it's really early, but what what is that quarterback room looking right? I mean, do you think this is Emory's job? I mean, it's the only one that we saw, you know, getting reps last year, but what's, what's going on behind him? Yeah, so they have a guy named uh, Anthony Johnson, I believe is his name. And he, he was a touted mm-hmm. guy, and he saw the field last season. But it was it was almost one of those deals where – no, Anthony Richardson. I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson. He was a touted recruit. He did see the field from time to time, but I don't recall him ever throwing the football. You know, I think that was – that's one mm-hmm. of those things where – because we didn't have any non-conference, it was all SEC. Some of these younger guys didn't get in there and, and get to play and, and showcase what they've got, but – 
Uh, it's probably going to be one of those two, and I just lean towards Emory Jones just because we've seen a lot more of him. We've seen him on the field. You know, clearly, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be too big for him. My question is, can he live up to that hype? He came in as a high school All-American. I think uh, I think Rock. Anthony Johnson was too. So maybe they unlocked that in him. But I said I keep saying Johnson, Anthony Richardson. Maybe they unlocked that in him. But that again, you're lo- if you're losing your quarterback coach here. I don't know. Does that disrupt the development at all? We haven't even got to spring yet, uh, so not not too concerned, yeah. but just no, something just, to think about. Yeah. No, I was just curious because I knew Emory's out, but that's – I mean, the team the, – the, I mean, the Gators just looked totally different when he was out there and almost always a run threat. And uh, we didn't get to see a lot of passing from him. So um, – but I, I – just what you're saying, I think he's going to be the guy and then uh, – Maybe this other cat can push him a little mm-hmm. bit. All right, let's uh, hop on down to Columbia real quick. Where my God, Shane. Just when you think, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Shane Beamer keeps having these pressers where he's he says, man, it's great to finally have a staff complete. And he literally just had one here on Wednesday morning. I was on the call. <laughs> they got to do it all over again, Shane, because Des Kitchens jumping ship to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this is the fourth guy that's done this to Shane Beamer. And normally when you lose that many, it, you know, you really would be freaking out if you're a Gamecock fan, but losing a guy to the NFL, I mean, that's a huge uh, promotion. So I'm not too worried, but at the same time, it's just like damn deja vu here with the Gamecocks where we're losing one assistant after the other and at least uh, Shane Beamer's got plenty of experience at this point having a replace a replacement. So I don't know. How do, how do you look at this situation with the Gamecocks losing, like I said, the fourth one? This is Mike Bobo, Tracy Rocker, Will Friend have all done this now. Des Kitchens as adds his name to the list. <laughs> man, I bet he's got that, uh, that, that plus on LinkedIn, man. He just – <laughs> Jeez Louise, could you imagine? I mean, it's hard enough building a staff when you first get somewhere, but just to keep losing people, that that's what sucks and frustrating, you know? I'm sure he wants to get everything settled, especially before going into spring, but uh, it just seems like everything he touches right now is like one foot in, one foot out. I know it. So, thankfully, you know, we're not even that close to spring football. Still got several weeks to get this figured yeah, out. that's true. So, at the end of the day... It may hurt him a little bit in recruiting, though. I don't know how, uh, you know, how involved that Des Kitchens is with that many of their remaining targets. But that, that's the the only loss I could see there. He's never really worked for Shane Beamer in a, during a regular season or anything. But man, it's just it's just one thing after another. It's like <laughs> it's like bad mojo down there right now at Columbia. But uh, <laughs> hey, at, le- at least at the end of the day, you'll have guys that are committed to Shane Beamer and his program and. And that's something, yeah. you know what? Well, and don't forget, you know, Tracy Rocker, about he's only got about five more days in Philly, and he's looking for another job. <laughs> <laughs> he may come on home. <laughs> all right, buddy. So, hey, that's all I got around the league. But, uh, hey, I've got a great interview lined up here. Been wanting to get some intel on the Auburn Tigers. So let's kick it over to our interview with Nathan King of Auburn Undercover part of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. War Damn Eagle. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Nathan King, and you can follow him on the Twitters 
at by Nathan King. He covers the Auburn Tigers for Auburn Undercover of the 24-7 Sports Network. And you got to check out his podcast, Auburn Undercover. Nathan, thanks so much for joining me here. I really do appreciate you. Yeah, of course, Mike. Hope you guys are doing well. Yes, sir. Well, hey, let's just get right down to it because, uh, you know, there was so much speculation and there just has been for so many years that Gus Malzahn was on the hot seat. Is he, is he, isn't he, all that? And then here we go and one of the most bizarre coaching searches of the year end up with Brian Harson. Just what's your overall thoughts on on, on that whole deal? And, and if you think, uh, you know, Auburn made the right move finally pulling the plug on Gus Malzahn. Yeah, well, anytime you have to move on, I mean, there are some circumstances, I guess, where it's an easy decision. Um, but I don't think this was one of them with Gus Malzahn, uh, certainly one of the more successful coaches in recent SEC history. You look at the way he was able to, you know, kind of elevate the Auburn program. I think the the big thing that he did that Brian Harson is going to have to follow up on um, is he raised the floor at Auburn, and, and that showed – in the frustration that Auburn fans had in his final few seasons. Um, look, I mean, they were never really that bad, but it was just the fact that um, the expectations became so high. Um, and maybe that first season where he took them to the national title game, um, obviously they lost to Florida State. Maybe that was a bit of a double-edged sword because obviously that was a great season for the program, but people might have sort of um, cut his leash a little bit short because most coaches, you know, they get a few years um, a bit of a grace period. He didn't really get that because people just sort of thought, okay, well, well, we're good right now, so let's go ahead and get rolling. He didn't really get a chance to uh, have any sort of fallback and get to take his lumps or anything like that. But I, I personally you know, think it was probably the right move at the right time um, because he was just kind of going to be a dead man walking in, in 2021. The fan frustration and uh, the word I like to use was the gust fatigue um, had pretty much just reached an all-time high. Auburn fans have a lot of respect for him and what he brought to the program, but uh, I can say they're really, really excited for Brian Harson now because, you know, anytime you turn over a new program like that and you and you get a new coach on board, um, things just feel fresh, things just feel new. And I think with Gus Malzahn in his last few years for all the success that he had, um, that wasn't really so, a way you could describe the Auburn program was fresh and new. It was always just sort of, um, running in place, especially on offense. And things weren't getting where they wanted to be. So I thought Brian Harson was a really good hire. Um, I, he was one of Alan Green's, the athletic director, one of the top guys on his board. Um, it was a crazy coaching search, but I think they came away with a guy that um, he's won a lot of games. And, I mean, there's pretty much nothing you can say bad about his resume that he's got so far. Well, one last thing I wanted to ask you about, Gus, real quick. Are you surprised at all that, um, you know, we haven't seen more from him in terms of maybe landing another job, or, or do you have any idea if maybe he's just planning to sit 2021 out, or what are your thoughts on that? I am not surprised at all, um, and that's just because I always told people, because people would say these things like, um, you know, oh, I don't envy him, you know, or, or I did, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I'd like to get, you know, fired and paid millions of dollars. The thing about Gus Malzahn was he didn't really care about money that much. Um, I always said that all he wants to do is coach football, come home at the end of the day, and probably sit in his rocking chair and drink some sweet tea. I mean, that he's just a very simple guy, a very simple Southern guy. Um, and I think right now, look, he has a great family. Um, I had to, got to know his wife, Christy Malzahn, is a wonderful person. I uh, got to know her a little bit when she was here at Auburn. And I think he's just enjoying some time with them. 
Um, honestly, Christy's been posting pictures of them um, just traveling to a bunch of different golf courses and just taking some vacation time. So Auburn's a stressful job, man. I mean, it's so, so much expectations um, in the SEC. I would not be surprised at all if he takes the year off. But I do think he's still got that coaching inch. I don't think he's, he's not done by far. Um, so maybe in 2022 you'll see him come back. But, I mean, maybe you know something like UCF is open now. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of see him just sitting this one out and uh, sort of relaxing and, and taking some time off after a pretty stressful job at Auburn. Now looking uh, ahead to Brian Harson, his first staff, it's come together. And, you know, I think it's pretty interesting the way he's kind of put this staff together. It, it certainly seems like he's got some West Coast ties, ties that he's had probably for a while. He's got – some SEC vets, he's got some Auburn alums, and hell, he's got about half the South Carolina coaching staff <laughs> on his <laughs> roster. So I want to I want to start right there. What what in the hell is the deal with him and uh, just stealing <laughs> coaches from South Carolina? When, and you can even I don't know uh, if you've reached out to your your colleagues there at the Big Spur, but they thought they were getting Derek Mason too. So I'm kind of counting him in in one as uh, as that Brian Harson probably stole from the Gamecocks. Yeah, somebody said, I can't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted after he got one of the guys, I don't even think he's done rating their staff yet, um, but somebody said, um, I don't know what Shane Beamer did to Brian Harson <laughs> to make him mad or make him upset, but he probably won't do it again. Um, I mean, if you ask Brian Harson about it, it would, it's probably just going to be a complete coincidence um, that, that all those guys decided to come to Auburn. Um, who do we got going down the line here? I guess Mike Bobo is probably the the biggest name out of those. And that was one that I kind of had. To... And of the, the whole retreading in the coaching industry, obviously in some circumstances it's better than others. But Mike Bobo had just become kind of a stale name in the past few years. But the more that I thought about it, his offensive systems kind of mix well with Harson. They're both uh, multiple, you know, kind of mixing in some spread. And they both have a lot of success with quarterbacks in the past. So the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, Bobo's going to be the play caller. Harson's just going to kind of be there to install the offense. And they're really going to kind of share the same brain. I kind of understood where he was going with that. Um, obviously, Will Friend, I mean, that was a guy who technically was a South Carolina coach, but, I mean, he's been at Tennessee the past three years. And he was only at South Carolina for like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Tracy Rocker, obviously, is not a thing anymore. Um, Auburn officially told us this morning that he – um, he's no longer on the staff. I don't know what he's doing. Um, Pete Samuel reported that he's going to the NFL. Um, we don't know anything about that so far, but um, yeah, he didn't stay very long. So they still have an open spot to fill. It feels kind of weird, um, but I guess they're kind of vetting defensive line coach candidates at the moment. But uh, I have no idea. I have no idea why, uh, you know, Brian Harson attacked South Carolina the way he did. Uh, all I know is it adds some, uh, just an interesting narrative because they're going back and playing that game again in Columbia um, this fall. So there should be uh, should be some bad blood there. It should make for a good game. Now, you, you referenced there a little bit. I was going to ask you about this. Uh, Brian Harson's comments, we played him on the last podcast, just on how he's kind of going to marry a lot of offensive ph- philosophies with within the staff. And obviously that's always been kind of a touchy subject there on the planes with Gus Malzahn, how much input – did he have on the offense and the play calling? What's the feedback that you're be getting, you know, just from whether it's people within the around the program or maybe even just the fans? Uh, how are they taken to Brian Harson kind of taking a more hands-off approach on the offense uh, there at Auburn? Yeah, um, it's certainly a relief 
I think, for most people. Um, not that I ever thought necessarily that Gus Malzahn made the wrong decisions whenever he decided to do it. I, I just thought he should have stuck to something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it was a big reason why Auburn's offense has struggled. Um, for a few years under him, you can't expect. I mean, I, I talk about all the time that Bo Nix, now he's going to be on his third offensive coordinator. Um, he's also going to be on his third play caller. So, I mean, you just can't really expect an offense to continue to grow um, when things are being shifted like that. The offensive coordinator was being shifted. The play caller is being shifted. Um, I think that's something Harson was very intentional about doing early on and saying, look, Bobo's going to call the plays. Um, I don't think that's something that is going to change over the course of the season. I think that's something that is a big reason why he hired him. He trusts him. Um, he's watched what he's done at the past. In the past, um, Harson told us when he was at Texas in the early 2010s as an offensive coordinator. I don't really know how they got to know each other, but he and Mike Bobo um, developed a pretty close relationship. So I think the biggest thing so far with Harson as it relates to the offensive staff, something that really stuck out to me when we got to talk to him last week, um, he said everything is on the table right now. Um, everything is open. He wants open conversations. He said any sort of coach, doesn't matter if they're a position coach, a coordinator, whatever, um, is always open to come and talk to him and say, hey, I don't think we're doing this right. And he'll sit there and have a discussion with that coach about, okay, how should we make this better? He said, um, they're already having some healthy arguments in that building about how to make things better. And so um, just from a mindset perspective, obviously, you know, it's talking season and everybody's going to say the right things. But I think from a mindset perspective, when you look back at what kind of hindered Gus Malzahn, I think that's definitely what Auburn fans want to hear is that Brian Harson will be able to lean on his assistant coaches a little bit in his first year in the SEC. Now, do you have any insight on how Bo Nix has taken to the hiring of Harson and Mike Bobo? And and just I just haven't heard anything since uh, these hires have been made. Yeah, I think Bo is a big fan um, of Bobo. I think anybody that was on the Auburn team um, that knows anything about how Boise State has been successful in recent years, um, they understand that, okay, all right, they hired the Boise State coach. Well, he's won a lot of games. That's what a bunch of players are saying. They're, you know, well, he's just a winner. Um, from Bo Nix's perspective, I mean, he was a big Gus guy, right? He and Gus were kind of uh, tied at the hip, and, um, you know, Gus could have pulled him during his freshman season, but he committed to Bo Nix for the future. He didn't just commit to him for the 2019 season. He thought, all right, I'm going to win championships with this guy in the future. I can't quit on him now. Um, so it was tough for Bo Nix when Gus Malzahn was let go just because um, he did have that really good relationship with him. But Mike Bobo, anytime you've got that kind of pedigree um, with quarterbacks like Bobo does, obviously producing a bunch of good ones at Georgia. And then Harson as well has a bunch of good quarterbacks under his belt, uh, namely Kellen Moore. Anytime you bring guys like that together, Auburn really hasn't had something like that in the past I mean, not that I can think of, decade plus. I really can't think of um, a coordinator, head coach duo for Auburn that has been this combination of quarterback gurus. So um, that has to excite Bo Nix, and it'll be interesting to see how different um, this offense looks. But one thing's for sure, Bobo is going to try to figure out what Bo Nix's strengths are very soon once they get to the practice field, um, and this offense will be based entirely on that. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about the coaching staff. Travis Williams, Rodney Gardner, two very popular names down there on the Plains. Any idea why those guys, you know, weren't retained? And, and maybe if the door's open for Gardner to maybe return with uh, uh, with the defensive line coach leaving the program? Um, I don't believe the door is open for Gardner. Um, 
I mean, anything is possible, obviously. We, we've seen in this coaching search that a lot of things have kind of changed. But he, I just say that because he's not a name that we've heard. Now, tomorrow morning, we might see that he's a name now, you know. But just as of right now, uh, that's not something that we're necessarily keyed into. Um, and then with Travis Williams and just kind of the reasoning why Harson didn't retain them, I mean, this is what Auburn fans wanted from the beginning with their head coach. They did not want a hamstrung head coach. Um, they did not want somebody who's going to be told – what to do. And so I think if you had told Auburn fans at the beginning of this whole process, Hey, your new head coach is only going to retain one guy. Other than that, he's going to bring in the people that he wants. Um, I think Auburn fans would be pretty happy with that. That's what they wanted. They wanted a culture change. Um, and when you have progress like this and you kind of flip over a program, you're going to lose some good names. Um, I'm, I'm super high on Travis Williams. Um, just knowing him a little bit and, I mean, just coaching aside, because, I mean, coaching speaks for itself. He, he's a great recruiter. He, his linebackers have been dynamite over the past few years. Um, he's a wonderful human being, and I definitely expect him to be a head coach in the future. So maybe one day he'll become Auburn's defensive coordinator, or, or maybe one day he'll he'll come back and become a head coach. I think that's what a lot of Auburn fans want, because he's definitely somebody that was, uh, that was beloved by Auburn fans during his time with the program, and, and people are really thankful for that. All right, I wanted to ask you about recruiting. Any surprised that uh, you know maybe it's not a lot of fans but it seems like it's the most vocal that we notice more often than not but I've seen a lot of Auburn fans kind of upset at just the team's recruiting and uh, I guess since Brian Harson got there I mean the, the guy just got there on Christmas Eve I think it was but uh, any surprise that uh, you know fans are, are voicing their frustration over where Auburn is at on the recruiting trail at the moment? Um, no, I'm not surprised at all at Auburn fans being annoyed at stuff ever, um, just because this fan base likes to moan and groan about everything. I think it's just impatience. Um, I mean, there just hasn't been a lot of people popping. Um, I mean, I think if you now look, Auburn's going to fill out this 2021 class. I mean, somehow they're going to do it. Um, whether it's with the transfer portal, which Brian Harson said they're going to hit slash they've already been hitting. Um, they're going to reoffer some players. I thought that was an interesting comment from him that, if Gus Malzahn's staff didn't like him, that doesn't mean that Brian Harson's staff doesn't. Um, I, I think, you know, you're going to have these guys at the end. What is it, next Wednesday is the is the signing period. You're going to have these guys sign um, come next Wednesday. It's just that you're not getting them committed right now. You know, they're all going to come on signing day. And so I think that that kind of plays into the impatience. Something uh, interesting, I mean, I don't cover recruiting, but something interesting that uh, Keith Niebuhr, our recruiting guy, at Auburn Undercover said on our last podcast was he thinks Mike Bobo could be the best recruiter on this staff just because of his SEC experience. Um, I mean, you look at the five stars that he reeled in there at Georgia, and he thinks Bobo is going to sort of have a overseer role on this staff and sort of help out some of the younger guys like a Will Friend or a, a Cadillac Williams and a Cornelius Williams and kind of tell those guys, you know, hey, here's what you should be doing. Here's the kind of um, way you should attack these certain areas. Um, so I thought that was interesting, you know, because Mike Bobo definitely one of the older, kind of more sage guys on the staff. But uh, uh, Keith is pretty high on him as a recruiter. So that's something really big for me because this staff absolutely has to recruit. I mean, you've got to pull in top 10 classes every year to even sniff the playoffs. So um, we'll, we'll see how they do that in the future because they're certainly, well, I think they're 49th overall class right now. Um, they've certainly got a bit of an uphill battle for the next couple of years. I'm glad you talked about Bobo there because he's kind of tied to my next question. You know, you just, I know you're not a, a big recruiting guy, but they are at Auburn is after five-star quarterback Gunnar Stockton. And, 
you know, he's got a long-standing relationship with Mike Bobo. He was committed to South Carolina when Bobo was there. As soon as Bobo jumped ship to Auburn, Gunnar Stockton decommitted from uh, the Gamecocks. So, I mean, you're putting the pieces together. It, would a pending commitment of a Gunnar Stockton, maybe that's the thing that uh, just gets this ball rolling for this staff on the recruiting trail? Could you see something like that happening? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, if, if that happens, I mean, Auburn fans would definitely be uh, pretty pleased with that. I mean, you look at Gunnar Stockton, number one dual-threat quarterback in the country for 2022, uh, five-star prospect. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I had never watched his film until Auburn hired Mike Bobo. Um, this dude is legit. Like, he is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about needing a quarterback in every class, and Auburn's done that for the past few years, getting at least quarter, at least one quarterback in every class so you don't have any sort of drop-off. You look for the next couple years, and if you're wanting to say, you know, if you're of the opinion that Harson and Bobo are good quarterback developers, you look at the tools that they've got, I mean, which is a veteran Bo Nix, who I think should be good. He needs to be good when he's a junior and a senior. A veteran Bo Nix and then Demetrius Davis, who looks like Lamar Jackson in high school, and then Gunnar Stockton, who's another five-star quarterback. I mean, that is a lot of tools to play with um, if you're Mike Bobo and Brian Harson moving forward. So, oh, 100%. I mean, uh, Keith has Keith has crystal balled him to Auburn, and that, that sort of looks like the way that a lot of people are leaning, like you said, very close um, with Mike Bobo and his family. Um, Connor Shaw, who is an assistant on the South Carolina staff, um, he, he was pretty close to Gunnar Stockton slash is, and everyone was just kind of wondering which of those two relationships that went out um, and a lot of people are thinking it's going to be Bobo. That that long-standing relationship with Gunner and his family is is going to win out in the end. And most people think he'll be an Auburn Tiger one day. So I mean, that would be absolutely huge for the future of this offense. All right, last question for you, Nathan. Assuming that we have a normal spring practice, as much as a normal spring as we can get in a in a dang pandemic here, uh, what's what are the one one or two things that you're going to be looking? forward most to seeing with this Auburn football team uh, under Brian Harson. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Derek Mason does um, on defense um, because he, we are changing now. You're going to see a different base set for this defense changing over from what Kevin Steele did with the 4-2-5, now Derek Mason. Um, with the 3-4, you're talking about a lot of players that he's inheriting um, that, are, that weren't recruited to play the system. I was doing a story the other day kind of looking at the returning production that Auburn had at each of its position groups, and in some occasions, it's hard to see, okay, well, is this guy going to be a nickel corner, or is he going to be an outside corner in this new defense? Is this guy going to be an inside or an outside linebacker? Um, It's just kind of hard to tell because they weren't told to do the same things that they're going to be told to do now. So I'll start with the defense. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't think we're going to be at practice. I don't don't see that happening. So that's kind of unfortunate. Um, But just from what we're able to gather, hopefully that'll be a good bit from practice. And then on the other side, I mean, it's going to start up front with this offensive line um, because Auburn, they get everybody back. And I feel like for the past couple of years, we've been saying that, you know, look at all these pieces that Auburn gets back on the offensive line. It's like, but, but is that a good thing, you know, or or do they need some, some new pieces in there? Um, So that's quite a challenge for Will Friend. You know, do you stick with the same offensive line from last season that, I think had a really good year um, for a lot of the season. And then sometimes, especially in pass protection, um, they really broke down. A lot of that fell on Bo Nix as well. So I'll be interested to see how the offensive line 
shakes out, and then obviously everybody's always going to have an eye on Bo Nix and, and Mike Bobo and see how that marriage is going too. All right, he's Nathan King of Auburn Undercover. Don't forget to give him a follow at by Nathan King, and don't forget to subscribe to the Auburn Undercover podcast to get all your Auburn football info. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate you. Yes, sir. Of course. Thanks for having me. Take care. Want to just want to say thanks again to Nathan King. You can follow him at by Nathan King from the Auburn Undercover 24-7 Sports Network. Really appreciate him hopping on the, the show here and doing a deep dive on the Auburn Tigers. And this is kind of what I was talking about. I'm trying to do more of these, particularly in the offseason. I got a lot more time to uh, go around the league. So going to try to get some South Carolina and Vanderbilt uh, insiders here to talk about their coaching moves. And, and hopefully my goal is to get hit on all these teams before and during spring practice and, and keep providing you guys some great content. But just want to, again, say thanks to, to Nathan, man. I thought, uh, you know, some really good stuff here from the Auburn Tigers and, and their new staff. I love it, man. I, lo- I always love the peek behind the curtain. And, and this guy, you know, that's one thing he's really known for. Good Twitter follow, too. Uh, turn your notifications on when when Auburn's got some crazy news going on. <laughs> but uh, I, I just, I thought, again, great interview. Um, I, I like this, Mike. I like bouncing around here. Uh, have you got anything else lined up for us? Well, brother, I'm about to be on vacation, but when I get back what? from vacation, <laughs> where are you going? I'm headed on down to Austin, Texas. Oh, that's right. That's right. Keep it weird, buddy. <laughs> keep it weird. That's why you keep texting my brother. I, that's, that makes sense. Now I'm paying attention. All right. Well, you can at least pod once down there, Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. We'll keep the thing going for oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll be able to line up any interviews while I'm down there, but as soon as I get back, for sure, because that's the beautiful thing of the SEC, man. It just never stops. The The news never stops rolling, and there'll be something to talk about. Uh, you know what? Oh, dude, I'm just going to be happy to get out of the news. <laughs> um, Tennessee's been in the spotlight so damn well. We got a coach. Let's let's get let's get a good support staff around them. Let's get to recruiting, and uh, let's let somebody else deal with this. Let's let's put it back on South Carolina. Let's focus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, man, it's uh, like you said, it's never a dull moment in the SEC. Hell, it's it's right here at February, and this is the busiest week I I remember in a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, buddy, you got anything else before we hop off here? Uh. No, um, I wish Lane Kiffin the best, except when he comes to Knoxville next year. I hope he gets his ass beat. But other than that, man, I I, I don't really have much. Um, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm just like I said, I'm just I I gotta get off Twitter, man. I'm having to charge my phone. I never had to charge my phone. I'm having to charge my phone halfway through the day. I'm getting these headaches because I'm scrolling and I'm updating and stuff. So I think I'm going to take a little little break from the phone uh, and the computer here. And uh, just try to enjoy the weekend. So try to get out there, enjoy some nature, guys, because we've been locked up with football. But don't think, get too far because uh, we got a new pod coming out next week. Yes, sir. Well, hey, if you made it this far, don't forget, leave us that five-star written review in the Apple Podcast app. And we got T Public merchandise in the show notes. That's for sale right now. T-shirts as low as 13 bucks. Can't beat that price. But, uh, hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Shane, for joining me as always. See you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.
15 and 0. <laughs> Feels like 97. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's better. Okay.